Well, thank you so much. Thank all of you for taking part in our worship and those that are viewing at home or other places. Thank you for being part of our worship service. This morning we have a guest, a guest speaker, Jason Hester. Jason's a member of our church, has been for a number of years, and I remember when Jason uh, was truly saved uh, just a few years back. And so uh, Jason has a fantastic testimony. And being Father's Day, I don't know uh, anyone that I'd like to share. I have someone to share a testimony than a father. And Jason has a great testimony. His wife, Tony, to have uh, one son, Brantley. Brantley was at work day yesterday. Uh, he worked an hour, and then he'd take a break for an hour, and he'd work an hour and take a break for an hour. He had a good schedule going. He did a great job. We had, we had three young men yesterday, and they worked hard. They, they worked so hard, they went through almost a half case of water, and they worked hard, and I appreciate them coming. I appreciate Jason Hester and appreciate Tony, their family. And uh, Jason has a heart for the Lord and has a heart for uh, people to be saved. And so God has touched his lives in many ways. And he'll be sharing uh, with us how God has used that. When God touches your life, then he has a purpose for it and he'll work out the good in it. So I'm going to pray for Jason, then he'll come up and share with us. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we have to be here today to worship you and now to hear your word. Be with Jason, I pray, as he shares from the heart this morning. I pray you'll give him the words to say. And Lord, I know his heart. I know the love he has for you and he has for people. And so, Father, I just uh, lift him up to you at this time. May you be honored and glorified and magnified in everything that he says. Thank you for him, for Tony, for Brantley, for their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Jason. Good morning. If you would turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. Acts 27. We're going to be in verse 20 through 25. And today I want to talk to you about God's presence in the storms. I've heard it said before, you're either coming out of a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or there's a storm around the corner. In other words, life can be really difficult. You're either in a difficult time, you're in the middle of a difficult time, or there's one just on the horizon. There are difficult and painful things that happen in this world. Where is God while we're in the midst of a storm? In the past few years, our country... You know, we've had a lot of big storms. And it's always been funny to me that we name these storms after people. Now, how goofy is that? So you got Kenny. Kenny's a meteorologist. And Kenny comes home, and he tells, he tells Mary, he says, Mary, there's a huge storm. It's a hurricane. It's going to hit the Gulf. It's going to cause a lot of damage. It's going to cause a loss of lives. It's a very mean, it's a very violent storm. It reminded me a lot of you, so I'm going to name it Hurricane Mary. <laughs> but unfortunately, some of you here, you're in a storm right now, you might be tempted to name. I just wish I could get through a storm divorce. I wish I could get through a storm depression. I wish I could get through a loss of a loved one storm. I wish I could get through a loss of health storm. Whatever it is you find yourself in, 
we find ourselves in real, real painful storms that sometimes we just wish would go away. So what do you do when, when you're in the middle of a storm? You know, unfortunately, <clears throat> when it comes to storm, some of us, you know, we might be tempted to question God or even blame God. Why is God allowing this to happen? I don't understand. Where is God during this storm? And our key thought for this morning is, never let the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Let me say that again. Never let the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. I don't look today, I don't look at uh, Acts chapter 27. We're going to look at some men. They were in a boat in the middle of this cra massive, crazy storm. The storm went on for several days, and the crew, they were so terrified that they started throwing cargo overboard, and they believed they'd never survive. They just believed the storm was going to take them out. We'll see it pick up in verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. You know, that, that phrase gets to me because I hear... I hear people from time to time that they've just given up all hope. There's no way that our marriage is going to make it. There's no way I can climb out of this financial debt. There's no way I'm going to beat this cancer. There's no way that I can beat this illness. And the storm continued to rage, and they gave up all hope. Look at verse 21. And after a long time without food, the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul, he stood up and he said, Men... You should have taken my advice and not sailed from Crete. Now, how many here think that when they heard Paul say this, they just wanted to hit him right in the mouth? I mean, men, you should have taken my advice, then you would have spared yourselves this damage or loss. Now, Paul was just a regular guy. As spiritual as Paul was, he was not above doing what so many of us love to do. And that's when we're right, saying, well, I told you so. If you just listened to my advice, you wouldn't have been in this storm. Why were they in this storm? They were in this storm because it was their fault. Because they made a decision to go out when the environment was too risky. <clears throat> Have you ever noticed that sometimes in Christian circles that we, we tend to blame the devil for everything? Well, it's the devil's fault. The devil did this. The devil did that. No, sometimes it's not the devil's fault. Sometimes it's your own dumb fault. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you just spent too much money. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because you let your emotions get the best of you and you said something you shouldn't have said. Sometimes you're in the middle of a storm because it's your own fault. Maybe that's why they gave up hope, because this was their own fault. I don't know about you, but it's easier for me to believe that God will get me out of a storm that he got me into than it is for me to believe that God will get me out of a storm that I got my own self into. I'm like, hey, this is my fault. I don't even deserve to be rescued. And the storm continued to rage, and they gave up all hope. Never, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Look at verse 22. But now I urge you to keep your courage. And I want to say that to some of you this morning. You need to hear this. Keep your courage. Keep your faith. The storm is not going to take you down. He says, keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. The ship will be destroyed. Verse 23, Last night an angel of God, to whom I serve and who I belong, stood beside me. Now stop for a moment. Now how cocky is that? You're in the middle of a boat, an angel of the Lord stands beside you, 
And I believe with all my heart that what we see with our physical eyes is not all there is. There's a spiritual world that goes on beyond what we have the ability to see. But imagine, you're in the middle of a boat, and the presence of God is with you in that moment. You have no idea all the different ways that God is with you. He could be with you in, in, in the form of an angel. He is with you in the form of your spirit. If you're a follower of Christ, your spirit dwells in you. He goes before you. Our God is already in tomorrow. He is not bound by, by time. He is hearing your prayers. He has come from your hearts. You have no idea all the different ways the presence of God is with you. Never, never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. In the New Testament, there's another powerful story. And it's about, uh, about the disciples. They're in a different boat and they're in a different storm. But what's funny about this one is that Jesus is actually asleep in the bottom of the boat. And disciples do what we so often do. They freaked out. They panicked. Jesus, aren't you going to do something? Jesus, you not care. Jesus, you're going to let us die. Jesus, aren't you even going to wake up? Jesus, do something. And Jesus comes on board and he says, Why are you so afraid? You have little faith. Then he says, Peace. Be still. And they experienced peace in the boat. Why did they experience peace in the boat? They experienced peace in the boat because Jesus was on the boat. Real peace is not found in the, presence, in the absence of storms. Real peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Real peace is not found in trouble-free life. You'll never have a trouble-free life. Bad things are going to happen. Uh, Jesus said in John 16, 33, In this world you will have trouble. That's a promise from Jesus. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Real peace is not found in the absence of storms. Real peace is found in the presence of God. He is with me. He's right beside me. He'll never leave me. Look at verse 23 again. Last night an angel of God, whom I serve and whom I belong, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. In other words, you can't go down this battle, Paul. God has more battles for you to fight. Some of you this morning, you need to hear this. You can't go down in this battle. He has more battles for you to do. He's not finished with you. If you're not dead, you're not done. God will use you and what you learn from this storm to prepare you to help others in their storms. God is doing something. He is working you. You don't always know it when you're in the storm, but when you're on the, but when you're on the other side of the storm, when you're standing on the other shore, when you look back and you can go, <whistles> I wouldn't want to go through that again. I wouldn't want anyone else to go through it. But I wouldn't trade it for the intimacy, for the spiritual depth, for the character, for the trust, for the faith. And my God has been <clears throat> as a result of being in that storm. Verse 25. So keep your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. I have faith in God that it will happen. My faith is in not what I see. My faith is in what God says. I have faith in God that what he says will come to pass. I have faith in God it will happen. My faith is not in the boat. My faith is in the one who commands the winds and the waves. My faith is not in the ship. My faith is in the one who created the trees that made the ship. Never let the presence of a storm to cause you to doubt the presence of God. I'd like to share with you this morning a personal story about a 
you know, a storm that I've gone through that, I, that I'm still going through to an extent. But as most of you know here, I like to fish. I especially like to tournament fish. And it's always been a dream of mine or a goal of mine to uh, qualify for the FLW All-American. Statistic-wise, <clears throat> the All-American is the hardest tournament to qualify for in bass fishing. It takes uh, the top 49 pro-am anglers out of over 20,000 to qualify for this tournament. And in 2019, I qualified for this tournament on Lake Gunnersville to fish Lake Hartwell in 2020. <clears throat> so I put a lot of time, a lot of travel, and a lot of preparation for this tournament. And on October 31st, my last day of practice on Lake Hartwell, I found a pattern that I felt like would give me the opportunity to win this tournament. As I was fishing that day, I started feeling bad. I started having pretty bad body aches. Started running fever. I just didn't feel good. So I got off the water and I left, headed back to Alabama. And the further I drove, the sicker I got. <clears throat> then I get a call from my boss who I'd been with that week. And he told me, he said, hey, I've just tested positive for COVID. So I prayed all the way home that I didn't have it. Next morning, I get up. I don't feel any better. And I went to the, went to the doctor, and I got tested. And uh, the test come back negative. So I thought, well, I got nine days to get to feeling better before this tournament rolls around. <clears throat> so that week, it went by, and I didn't feel any better. I actually felt a lot worse. I ran fever all week. My body hurt. I just really, I felt terrible. And so on November the 8th, I went back to the doctor to get some medicine, and he wanted to check me again. So I got checked, and I left and headed home to get ready to leave South Carolina. And I get the call, Mr. Hester, you've tested positive for COVID. You must have had a false negative last week. Man, I was crushed. But it had already been like nine days, and when the tournament, by the time the tournament started, I'd been like day 10 or day 11, and I thought, well... I'm just going to suck it up and go on. I'm going to be out in a boat. I can't give it to somebody else. Only me and the Lord knows about it up here. So I left, and I headed to South Carolina. <clears throat> I got there, I believe it was on November the 8th or, or 9th. But, uh, so I get there, yeah, I get there on the 9th, and I go to bed that night. And about 2 o'clock I woke up, and I couldn't hardly breathe. I turned worse, and I texted Tony. I told her, I said, hey, I need you to come get me to try to get me back home. And she don't get the text till I guess, around 6 or 7 that morning. And her and Brad, Vicky, and Brantley left and headed to South Carolina to come get me. It's about, I don't know, probably 6 or 7 hour drive up there. And the further the day went along, the harder it was to breathe. And I got to the point where I started having hallucinations, and I knew I was in trouble. I even started to wonder if I was going to make it until they got there. But when they got to me, I couldn't hardly stand on my own. They had to pick me up and put me in a wheelchair. And Brad and Tony got me in the car and they took me to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, my body had already gone in shock and they admitted me straight in ICU with 60 other COVID patients. And the first couple of days was real hard. Breathing got tougher. Monitors was constantly going off. There was no rest. And I started having a pity party. I started questioning God. I said, God, why did you allow this to happen? 
I pray for this opportunity. I told you that if you'd give me the platform, I'd use it for you. How could you let this happen? <clears throat> and I got a text from Corey Clay, and I asked Corey if she might have me using this. I'm not going to read it all, but I'm going to read part of it. You tell God today that you trust Him and you'll wait for His healing. <clears throat> also ask Him... <clears throat> Also ask him to show you who you can minister to there. There's someone there that is coming that needs to hear Christ in you. This is all about his glory. He will miraculously move in your body. There may be doctors and nurses that say so much and they say to themselves, where is their God? But it's coming. And they will see. In the meantime, find water who he has sent you for. God will not let me <coughs> rest. Sorry, I'm having a hard time seeing this. God will not let me rest until I, I sent this to you. I understand how much and how you feel. I get the fear, but it's all fake. Satan tries this because it's an easy attack on us. We're all praying here. You are spiritually trained, and God is using this for his glory. No matter what your, what your levels say or the hospital monitors say, remember Satan likes to cause fear. So hang tight to what you know. And it goes on, but I'm going to stop there. That night was really hard. Breathing got even harder. Next morning, the pulmonary doctor come in. Dr. E.C. O'Bannon, he's a Middle Eastern doctor. And to put it the politest way that I can, he's the most arrogant jerk that I'd ever met. But he tells me about how sick I am and that, that I would need to be incubated that day. And he left and he come back a few hours later and he has this little old nurse with him. And this little nurse, she's, she's about this tall and she can't be a day under 75. She's a little old feeble woman and she's in there with him. And he said to talk to me about going on a vent. And I told him I wasn't going on a vent. And this really irritated him. And I'd already took, I'd, I'd ran a, the rem, remdesivir and I ran hydroxychloroquine. And it, it didn't help me. I wasn't getting any better. And so they offered me a trial drug called CERC. And there was 10 out of 60 there that could have this drug. And I was one of the 10. So he gave that to me. And then he asked me if I was religious. And I don't know about y'all, but I can't stand to be labeled religious. I told him, no, I was not religious, but I did have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but when I said that, he was looking at my charts, and he just, he just turned and he stared at me, and he squinted his eyes. And he, just, he looked at me for, it was probably only about 10 seconds, but it seemed like it lasted 10 minutes. And then he just shook his head. And he said, well, normally at this time, I would call in a chaplain, but since COVID rules that uh, no one was allowed in the hospital and he asked if I minded the hospital staff talked to me. And I told him, of course I didn't. And then he told me, if, you know, if he wasn't going to incubate me, he might as well move me to the COVID floor because there's really nothing more they could do for me and I'd be more comfortable in the COVID room. Then he left and this little nurse, she looks up at me and she says, and I've, I've never talked to her before, 
she says, she calls me Jaybird. She says, Jaybird, I like what you told that doctor. I've been working on him. And that's all she said to me. And then she, she, her and another nurse got me. They rolled me on the bed down to the COVID floor. And that was some of the roughest days there. <clears throat> this was on November the 13th. And, um, uh, I believe it was right over the 13th. But anyway, she takes me to the cold floor, and my she didn't get any better. And Chris Cooper texted me. And Chris told me to read Proverbs 3 and 4. It was on health and God's promises. But I was so sick at this time, I couldn't read anything. This was on the 13th. And that evening, the doctor come back around, and he said, Mr. Hester, you're declining rapidly. I strongly advise you to rethink going on the vent. And if he thought that if I didn't go on the vent, that he didn't know if I was going to make it. But I was mentally done. If the Lord called me home, he was just going to call me home. I was ready. I had no fight left in me. And I told him I wasn't going on it. And he told me, he said, well, since you know everything and you know what's best, he said, when your family calls, he said, you can just tell them how you're doing. You can give them updates. And from that point on, when when they called, my family knew nothing. Later on that night, the little old nurse come in. She was by herself, and she had this big Bible. It looked like a Bible that sat on your mama's coffee table. It was a hardback Bible, and I promise y'all, it was the biggest Bible I ever seen. It had to be this big. <clears throat> and she asked, she said... Jay Bird, I assume this is what you told the doctor. You wouldn't mind me reading you tonight. And I just nodded no. And she, uh, she asked if I had something I wanted to read. And I told her no. And so she just starts reading. I don't even know where she's at. But she gets to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. <clears throat> and laying not on my own understanding. And I started squalling. Because I knew exactly what that was. That's Proverbs 3, 5. It's exactly what Chris Cooper just texted me earlier for me to read. So I start crying like a big, big baby. And she asked, Jay Bird, you want me to stop? She thinks I'm upset. But I realized then how selfish I'd been for questioning God for where I was at. I was exactly where he wanted me. Corey's text, Chris sending that to me, it just, it just was more that confirmed it to me. I nodded no that I didn't want her to stop, and she read all of Proverbs 3, she read all of Proverbs 4, nothing more, nothing less, but exactly what he had sent for me to read. The rest of that night wasn't any better. My numbers, they got lower. The pulmonary doctor was back in the next day. I could not hardly breathe at all at this point, and he told me he didn't think my heart and my lungs would hold out. He said if something didn't change, that he really didn't think I was going to make it. Then he asked me if I wanted to make a FaceTime video for my family to say my goodbyes. But I declined to offer it. I'd already wrote everything I needed to say on my phone. So, so day turned into night. And it was about 11 o'clock. And this little old nurse comes back in there. She told me, she said, Jay Bird, my shift just has ended. But she said, I'm not going to let you stay in here by yourself tonight. So when she worked off, she spent the rest of the night with me. So I laid on my back and I listened to her sing hymns and I listened to her read scripture. 
And after a few hours later, she told me, she said, Jay Bird, you've been on your back too long. I'm going to need to flip you over. And when she went to flip me over, it made me so sick. I had this terrible pain in my chest, and I actually thought at the time I was having a heart attack. <clears throat> and I profusely started vomiting blood, and I exasperated on the blood. And she hit the panic button, and the other doctors and nurses come running in. And they stuck a vacuum in my mouth. And when they poured that vacuum out of my mouth, I went, <sighs> and for the first time, I had got a full breath on my own in several days. And that little old nurse, with the wet towel rest up on my face, she wiped my face, she said, Jay Bird, I believe you're very well going to make it. She knew those clots had broke free. And I fell asleep that night. While she sang hymns beside me. A few hours later, I get woke up by her shaking me. And she opened the blinds and the sun come beaming in. She said, Jay Bird, there's the sun. You've made it through the night. <sighs> Every day after, <clears throat> she, that was the last thing she said to me, and she left. She worked off for several days. But every day after that, I got a little better, and I got stronger. And after a few days, I got dismissed and got to come back home. We get back to Alabama. I was on the auction for several more weeks, and the doctor bill started coming in. And I had took out a supplemental insurance um, where I had worked before, and um, it was to help pay, uh, help offset doctor bills. But I had to have a doctor's signature. So I, I sent emails and I called. I sent emails and I called, and I sent emails and I called. I never could get get these forms to him. He never would sign them. So I, uh, I finally called, and I'm talking to his receptionist for like the 10th time, and I tell her the situation, and she says, Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Hester. And I hear a voice in the background that says, Is that Mr. Hester from Alabama? And she said, Yes. And he said, Transfer into my office. He must just happen to be walking through the, uh, her office at the time. So she transferred me to his office, and he answers the phone, and he says, and Keep in mind, this is the most arrogant jerk like I mentioned earlier that I ever met and I was fixing to let, let him have it and he comes on the phone and he says hello Mr. Hester how are you and before I could get okay out he says you know you told me in the hospital that you know Jesus he said now I know him too When Miss Carol, that little old nurse, come back to work, I asked her about the Jesus she talked about, and she told him about him dying for my sins. Praise God, now I know it. I was in my office crying. He was in his doing the same. And we talked for over an hour about his new life. And then I asked him, I said, how can I talk to Miss Carol? I'd like to thank her. And he said he didn't know. He said that after she shared the gospel with him, she retired that very day. 
and she moved back north or she went back to North Carolina. She was only there because of the pandemic and the hospital was short on staff and she'd come out of retirement to help during the pandemic. I want to tell y'all something. I was mad at God for allowing me to get that sick. I missed the biggest tournament, the biggest opportunity of my life to be stuck in the hospital. But while I was in that storm, God knew exactly why I was in it and what would take place because of that storm. There's some of you here this morning, you may be in a storm. I don't know what your storm may be. It might be a storm that's your own fault. It may be a storm that you can't help. Perhaps you're, you've walked away from God's while you're in a storm and He seems so far away. Maybe your storm is failing help. Maybe your storm is a loss of a loved one. Fathers and husbands, maybe your storm is, is from not being the spiritual leader that you need to be in your home. And there's some of you here that's in the worst storm of all, and that's not knowing Christ is your Savior. There's some of you that you're in a storm right now because you have no peace. I asked Dr. O'Bannon later on, I've got to talk to him a couple times, but I asked him, I said, what made you realize that you needed Christ? And he said, I watched people pass away daily for the past few weeks. He said some of them was Muslim, some of them was Buddhist, some of them was atheist, and everything in between. And he said when it come their time, he said, you never saw any peace. He said when you saw a follower of Christ died, he said they had peace. And he said I had to have that peace. Folks, are some of you that's in that storm that you can have that peace this morning. Bow your heads with me. Father God, I come to you this morning. I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, there's someone here, Lord, that's in a storm right now. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll prick their heart. Lord, remind them that they're not alone, Lord, that you can bring peace during this time. Lord, I don't know what the storm is, but you do. Lord, it may be their fault or it may be a storm, but they can't help. Lord, it may be because they have walked away from you, Lord, and, storm, and you're using the storm to, to bring them back to you. Lord, it may be depression. It may be anxiety. It may be financial crisis. It could be addiction could be doubt, could be health, could be loss of a loved one. Could, uh, Lord, Lord, it could be any of those. Lord, it could be that they don't even know you. Lord, the list goes on and on, but you know what it is. Lord, I pray, Lord, that going forward, they'll lean on you, and when they're on the other side, when they're on the other shore, they can look back at you and thank you for this storm in their life. Lord, I pray that they make it right with you this morning. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. My goodness, what a testimony. You know, before you have a testimony, you got to have a test. And Jason surely has had a test. And not only Jason, but Tony and Brantley, their family. And uh, we never really understand why things happen. But we do know that when they do happen, that God's with his children. When people can't get there, People don't know how you're doing after you're in the hospital and when you're in a very critical time. God's always there. And so uh, Jason was going through a terrible storm, but not only that, but
Tony was and Brantley was and his close family members. But friends kept praying, although they didn't always know how things were. They just trusted in the Lord. The Lord will hear the prayers and work all that out. There's a time, there's a faith we say we have. And then there's a say-so faith. And then there's an actual faith that we do have. And eventually our faith is called on. And it'll either be the say-so faith or it'll be that sound salvation trust in Jesus type faith. If I ask today, how many of you have faith? Probably everybody in here would raise their hand. Now there's a say-so faith, but then there's the actual faith, that trust in Jesus type faith. You have one or the other. And so for the believer, our faith's going to be tested, and it'll be uh, called on. It'll be just a say-so faith, or it'll be that salvation faith where we just completely trust God. God, if you don't get me out of this, I ain't going to make it, but you're in control of it. And so uh, you've heard Jason's testimony. Fantastic how God used him um, a very critical time in his life, but a very critical time in a doctor's life. And so uh, one day they'll see each other again in that place called heaven. But until then, he's sharing his testimony, and God's using it to speak to people's hearts. And I know God used it to speak to your heart today. He did mine. And so I don't know if you know this Jesus that Jason knows, a believer knows. But today you have an opportunity to come and trust him. Just him, nothing else. Ask Christ to come into your life and save you. And then live your life for him. And so today you might need to come and be saved. There may be fathers here that never trusted Christ. You need to step out, be saved for your own good, then the good of your family. Where you can lead your family, your children to come to know Christ. You may want to come rededicate your life. Maybe uh, it's not what it should be right now before the Lord and you just come in to spend some time in prayer. Recommit yourself to him. You know, Paul said, I die daily. Uh, rededication should be every day for us. Every day. Today, God's spoken to you in some significant way. You need to make that decision. So uh, I'm going to ask uh, our praise team, or Cal, Andrea, to sing our invitation. What I'd like for you to do is just stay seated. People can get out. They can get by easy. You just seated, and so uh, you you come if you if you want to trust Jesus today. You come say, brother Sam, I just want to give my heart and life to Jesus. Every, when everybody leaves, we'll talk for a while. I won't embarrass you for nothing. Other decisions you have, you feeling God to lead you toward today. If you've accepted Christ sometime and never followed through in believers' baptism, now's the time to do that. Rededication of life, transfer of membership, whatever you feeling God leading you to do, you need to come today as he speaks to your heart, his invitation. So if you would, be in a matter of prayer and uh, as they sing.